After meeting a number of times with a local Presbyterian pastor, Rosaria Butterfield, a college professor, a committed feminist, a lesbian, remembers the morning that everything changed for her. One day, I got up and I got out of bed that I shared with a woman, and I brushed my teeth and I walked the dogs, and an hour later, I was sitting in a pew at the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. And I I came there to meet God. And it was very powerful. Sitting under the preaching of God's word is very powerful. And the prayer that came out after that, which really surprised me, Lord, could you make a woman like me a godly woman? This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We will hear today how God answered Rosaria Butterfield's prayer. Stay tuned. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. There's a passage in uh, a book I read years ago um, called A Severe Mercy. The author is a man named Sheldon Van Uken, and he was a skeptic at Oxford University. And he started writing letters to uh, to one of his professors, C.S. Lewis, asking him questions all about Christianity. And he'd get a letter written, and Lewis would respond back to him with an answer, and he'd write a new letter and get an answer back. He'd, he'd finally written a letter to Lewis one time, and the answer that came back was, you know, I've decided not to answer your questions anymore. He said, it's, uh, I'm pretty well convinced that the hound of heaven is after you, and it's just a matter of time. <laughs> and I remember reading that, and I remember Van Uken reading it and going, he was a little put off, but then he got a little worried that maybe, in fact, it was just a matter of time. <laughs> and I'm, I, I have to wonder if our guest this week has a, didn't have something of that same experience in her life. Yeah, and, and I've, I've been chased down by the hound of heaven as well, and it's good that he's on our trail. Amen. I, I, Amen. I, really, I agree with you. <laughs> Rosaria Butterfield joins us again on Family Life Today. Welcome back. Thank you very much. She has written a book called The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. And how do you summarize, Bob, what we've talked about this, this week? week? I mean... Professor of English at uh, Syracuse University and mm-hmm. was a part of the women's studies. And mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. a, right. a teacher in the queer studies program. Mm-hmm. You were mm-hmm. uh, a lesbian, had mm-hmm. a live-in lover that you were with for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And in the process, she wrote a, a letter criticizing a, a group that came to uh, the Carrier Dome there at uh, Syracuse University, a, a group called Promise Keepers. And a pastor wrote you back Long story made short, instead mm-hmm. of condemning you, he just started asking you questions mm-hmm. that caused you to ponder and reflect spiritually. And right. the hound of heaven began to get on your trail. And mm-hmm. and you found yourself wrestling with whether the Bible is true, whether it's right. authoritative. That's right. That's right. Whether your life had to come under the authority of, of the scriptures and uh, right. of the God of the scriptures. That's right. But in your case, if you're going to believe this. Right. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And if you're going to act like you believe this. Right. 
It's right. revolutionary. That's right. And it's going to leave you with a lot of your old friends who don't want to talk to you anymore. That's right. That's right. And a that's lot right. of new friends that you don't know that you want to hang around with. Yeah, that's, that's very well put. Right. And so I did. So one one day I got up and I got out of bed that I shared with a woman and I brushed my teeth and I walked the dogs. And an hour later I was sitting in a pew at the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. And I, I came there to meet God. And um, and when you said you came to meet God, you you showed up to surrender. Well, not at first. I mean, I'd love to say that. You see, you make me look good, but that's not true. Not at first. At first, I was just really curious about, you know, well, you know sort of the what's the next step? Okay, I've, I've read the Bible now more than once, and I've studied it, and I've, you know, and now what? Okay, well, you go to church. Let's find out what's going on there. And, and and it was very powerful. Sitting under the preaching of God's word is very powerful. And and then the prayer that came out after that, which really surprised me, it had nothing to do with, with my sexuality. It had everything to do with my pride and my gender. Lord, could you make a woman like me a godly woman? Hmm. It was really not much of a prayer. It was more of a question. But God answered that question because God can do anything, right? You know, can these dry bones rise, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Not by their own will, they cannot. Those two questions as you sat listening to God's word being preached, and this is over a period of years. Of years. years. But those two questions kept haunting you to a point where you finally right. I had did. to throw in the flag and say, okay. Okay, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. Tell Just, us about that day. In some ways, it was very anticlimactic because of all of the things that had preceded it. Um, I was, you know, still kicking up a bit of a fit about, oh, poor me, I have to give up so much. And Ken said to me once, well, you've got friends in this church. Why don't you ask them what they had to give up to be a Christian? And I thought, well, okay, you know, have at it. And I I learned the most amazing things. I heard from women who had to bury their children, but not their faith. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I heard about people who were struggling with all kinds of, of other um, sexual issues, pornography addiction. And, you know, I, I mean, it was just everywhere. Everybody was a mess, but not really. Mm. You know, and that was really striking to me. It seemed to me that, Maybe original sin is a comforting idea. See, I started out believing that everybody was good, but that's a hard worldview to keep pumping up. But I started to think about it. Well, what if we were all born this way? Maybe that's a comforting thing. Born in sin. Born Born in sin. That way differently, in quotation marks. Everybody has something that's going to take them by the neck. And... And, and I think in, that was in the context that I really learned the first rule of repentance, that repentance is not some kind of a one-time pledge you do at the moment of conversion. Repentance is a, a daily posture of the Christian, mm-hmm. daily, hourly, minute by minute. There is no shame in repentance. It is the kindness of God, it says in the book of Romans, that leads us to repentance. All repentance does, I figured out, it, it's really simple. It just proves that God was right all along. Hmm. That's not new information. And that we were broken. 
And that we were broken. And needed a redeemer. That's yeah. right. And that there are a million ways to be broken. Oh, yeah. But you know what? That's not the point. When, when you surrendered, mm-hmm. you started on a new path that was very different than the path that you'd been on. Yeah, she said she lost everything except her dog. Yeah. I mean, it, he was it, a good dog too. It, <laughs> it was the end of your relationship. With sure, of course, your lesbian lover, but right. it was the beginning of the end of your time at Syracuse. It was, and I did not lose my job. I mean, I should say that it's not that I. Um, so I don't want to make this out to be that I was a victim. But one of the things I realized in my repentance, and you know what, I realize this every day in repentance. Jesus, it was you. I was persecuting the whole time. So that, you know, that puts a certain caution on a person, right? I I wasn't really sure what God would have me do. And so it was the end of my time at Syracuse, but at the time I didn't know it was the end of my time at Syracuse. What it was, was it was at the beginning of my research leave, my post-tenure research leave, and I wanted to study Christian education, I thought, okay, Lord, I'm a Christian. Where does a Christian profess? At a secular university or at a Christian college? And so a very good friend of mine who's now the president of Geneva College, he was a, a, fa- a faculty member um, at Syracuse and Ken Smith's son, and his name is also Ken Smith, just to further confuse everyone who's <laughs> listening. Um, he was able to get me um, an adjunct position at Geneva College And um, then I also had a teaching position at the Center for Urban Biblical Ministry in Pittsburgh. And I pieced together a research program. And it was in that context that I met uh, Kent Butterfield, who's now my husband. And so I really never did go back to Syracuse. But that was totally shocking to me. Did everybody at Geneva College know who was coming to town when you showed up? You know, they did, but they were okay with it. They knew that the, they were okay with it. The post-feminist, post-lesbian, they, yeah. they sure they yeah. convert mm-hmm. was coming to town. That's right. That's right. And and tell us because you don't really go into a whole lot of detail about the romance between you and your husband. In I will. The book. I will tell you this: that when you are a sexually broken person, the most terrifying idea is that you would then be a married woman because the fear that I had was that I would pollute or break. You'd mess everything up. I'd mess everything up. Mm -hmm. And so one of the most amazing gifts in my life has been Kent and his daily biblical ministry that repentance of sin is one thing. It's really important. We do it all the time. It's our posture. Healing, sexual healing is a separate but related experience. And it is fully by the stripes of Christ that we are healed. That that when you are a sexually broken person, your sexuality runs a little bit like water in a groove on a path. And, you know, if you walk a path over and over again, that path becomes pretty deep. And so when the water floods, it has no place to go but make it almost a a river, you know, even. And I am amazed that over the years, as we meditate and appeal to Christ's balm, because he took those stripes, 
those grooves in our path get filled up. Mm. And what they get filled up by is the means of grace. Mm-hmm. You know, the, God intends to heal us. He intends for his people to be healed. Now, I want to be careful about how I say this. I did not say that he intends for all people who struggle with same-sex attraction to become heterosexual. That is not what I said, and that does not happen. What I mean, it, it happens sometimes. But what we know is that we relinquish our life to God, and he gives back what he will. But those grooves that are worn down from sexual sin, and that includes sexual sin of the mind and the emotions. Although I will say that acting on your sexual sin makes those grooves deep and mm-hmm. dirty really fast, much more so. But the, the layers that God established to fill that hole through the means of grace is a powerful thing. And so by God's grace, I married a, a Christian. I married someone who became a Christian at the age of 17. He was and has been a godly man for m- you know, many, many more years than, than I certainly have been a godly woman. And so he could always, and does, you know, I always tell people that I married a pastor because I need daily biblical counsel, <laughs> right? And that's true. Um, but he knows that it's not, Kent is not healing me, and it's not marriage per se that's healing me. It's the means of grace. It's Bible reading and psalm singing. It's, it's uh, the sacraments. It's um, the fellowship of the saints. And of course, this version of my heterosexual life was very different than the last version of my heterosexual life, right? Because this was a godly husband who was protecting my purity and looking out for my best interests. And uh, I was not part of the meat market any longer. And so it was a completely mm-hmm. different experience. And and I think that's what, what is important to remember. So it was different because... It was sanctified heterosexuality it, it, instead of sinful heterosexuality. Exactly. And it, it, it was... But, but part of how that that just sort of worked in my life was Christ was leading the whole time. Because, you know, sexual sin is predatory. Right? God, when, and, and we see that we see that very early in the Bible when God says to Cain, sin is lurking at your door. It's Genesis 4. Its desire is for you, but you will have mastery over it. I think too often people think that, oh, you're struggling with pornography? Well, hey, let's just get you married. Right? Let's find a quote-unquote um, sanctified outlet for your sexual desire. Not getting the fact that a predatory sexuality is a totally different desire. Mm. So when I started to examine, well, what is the root of my homosexuality? I did not come up with homosexuality. In the same way that when I go to my garden and I want to know the root of my weeds, I don't come up with the yellow dandelion head. When I really probed what was at the root of my homosexuality, it was pride. And it was pride in wanting to invent myself on my own terms. When I married Kent, I became 
a submitted wife. There's not a lot of pride, not in in that, and, 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 and nor is there humiliation in that. But there's a sense of connection and a puzzle piece now that suddenly finds its home. And, and could I say it for you? Sure. Because you you were a feminist. Yeah, looking I was. for completion, looking to be all That's that right. you were made to be. Right. In that rightly related relationship with your husband, both submitting to, to Jesus That's Christ. Right. That's right. You found. That's right. Absolutely. You found the completion you longed for as a feminist. I did. And that really gets us to that question that we haven't really gotten to. And that's the question about, you know, what do we do now? What if what if gay marriage becomes normative? We're heading that direction. We are. And, and my question and, to you is, coaches here, well, help, help yeah. us think as, as, as followers of Christ. We, we have to. We have to. We have to realize that, well, first of all, we are all called to a sanctified sexuality. And that includes our celibate single members of our church. They are not second-class citizens. It is shameful on our part. And I would say it's part of the, perhaps, you know, the potential homophobia of the church when we do that to people. So I think we need to value a sanctified celibate singleness. But when we talk about marriage between a man and a woman, We need to talk about it in biblical terms, not in moral terms. We can't just say the Bible says Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You know, all that does is take the door and take it off the hinges and then wonder why the door doesn't stand up. The hinge is the Bible. And there are a couple of things that we as Christians need to be able to articulately defend. One is that marriage is covenantal. It's a, it's a relationship that God establishes with us and guarantees by his word. God does not make a covenant apart from the separate genders for marriage. So it is covenantal. We also have to remember that the picture of marriage is Christ in the church and that the completion factor, and it's it's a the complement factor, and it's C-O-M-P-L-E-M-E-N-T. It's not an I. We're right. not talking about trophy wives. We're talking about a man and a woman complementing, fitting together in order to show the watching world a picture of Christ in the church. We've likely not done that very well, right? We've, right. We have not. We have failed at that. And, you know, that speaks to the need— for Christians to be image bearers, to encourage a godly imagination. See, you know, I wonder what would happen to the pornography industry if we could really have godly imaginations. Mm. And then the other, and I know this is a controversial topic, not that we haven't talked about controversy, (laughs) gentlemen. So what's new, right? So what's new. But I think if you do not have a historical Adam, if you do not have literal six-day creation, if you do not have... Adam, made from the dust, and then Eve, made from a rib of Adam. You have no biblical basis for a woman's submission to man. You have mutual submission. And if you have millions and millions and millions of years of agricultural homo sapiens and God simply decided to introduce himself to two one day, then you don't have the goodness of God because... Sin is sin. When did sin enter into the world? Mm -hmm. Those are important questions. So 
I think we've got to go back to the basics. I think we need to find a biblical defense for these things. And I think that we need to stop fearing that people are going to call us stupid. Because that's what I did. And look where I am, right? Yeah, and, and, and also being afraid of being called a bigot as though you hate. Right. And we're getting there. We're getting there because I would absolutely say that to fail to defend homosexual marriage, that is the contemporary unforgivable sin in our culture. So I think we're getting there. But again— But we have to defend marriage with love. With love. And so that raises the question, what what do I do with my gay or lesbian daughter? And, and, and how do I interface with this person I love? Uh, and let's just give a scenario. She was raised in the church. She made a profession of faith. And now she's lost to me. What do I do? And those are really good questions. You know, and what you do is you love your mm-hmm. child. You love your child. Now, you do have to be careful, though, about this business about attending uh, gay weddings. I mean, I think you can love someone without giving a false blessing. Because think about it. You want to be there on the other side. No. You, want, you want to be able to be there standing with a, a, a unified Christian witness. But you can still love. You can still enjoy your holidays together and be in each other's lives. And they won't view it as a rejection that you didn't come to the wedding? Well, I, they may. They may. But, I, you know, we, we talked earlier about where do you draw the line. You know, you want to draw it carefully. And, and I can't tell you what to do. You know, you, you right. know your family and right. you know what to do. I'm, I'm just saying that because, you, you know, how do we defend marriage? Well, one way that we defend marriage is to make sure that we are speaking in a unified voice about it. That's a hard one. It I is know. a hard one, especially if it was your daughter. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And Marrying so, another woman and you drew the line and said, sweetheart, right. I want you to know, I will love you to the end, mm-hmm. but I will not bless this union mm-hmm. because it doesn't represent what God commanded a man and a woman mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. merge together in a covenant right. with God. Right. But I'm not cutting you out. I want you and your partner here for Christmas and Thanksgiving and... You know, th- there's a lot more we could talk about here. And, Rosaria, I want to say thanks for your book. How I, I, This kind of sounds funny coming from somebody who got a spanking in the eighth grade English class. But <laughs> how well written it is and how entertaining. But also just allow us to peek into your life and to hear what transformation sounds like and what was going on in your soul at the same time. Uh, there's a lot in this book that I'd recommend, and I just want to say thanks for being on our broadcast and hope you'll come back again someday. Thank you. Well, and I hope our listeners will get a copy and will read uh, Rosaria's book. I think it's one of the best books I've read this year. Go to familylifetoday.com for a copy of the book, Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. You can order online if you'd like. Again, the website, familylifetoday.com, or call us toll-free at 1-800-FL-TODAY, 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. 
Now, I want to say a special word of thanks to uh, the folks who have made today's program possible, and that would be those of you who help support the ministry of Family Life today. We are listener-supported. It's our legacy partners who provide monthly support for this ministry. And it is those of you who get in touch with us from time to time to make a donation. You folks provide the financial support we need to cover the cost of being on this local radio station and on our network of stations all across the country. You defray the production and syndication costs for this program. And we're grateful, and we want to say thank you for that. In fact, this month, if you're able to make a donation to help support the ministry, we would like to uh, say thank you by sending you a couple of resources. One is a CD that features a conversation with Joanne Kraft, where she talked about the radical sabbatical that she had for her family. They said no to all outside activities for a year just to bring some normalcy back into the family. And then in addition to that, we'd like to send you Tim Kimmel's book, Little House on the Freeway. Again, we'll send both resources to you if you're able to support the ministry this month with a donation of $25 or more, and you can do that online at familylifetoday.com. Click the button that says, I care, to make an online donation, or call 1-800-FL-TODAY. Make your donation over the phone and ask about the busyness bundle, and we'll send out these resources designed to help you get a grip on uh, the speed of life at which you are traveling. You can also mail your donation to Family Life Today. Our mailing address is Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas, and our zip code is 72223. Be sure to ask for the busyness bundle when you send your donation. And we hope you can join us back again tomorrow when we are going to tackle the question, do Christians have it wrong with our view of human sexuality? Is what the Bible teaches just some antiquated idea for a bygone generation? Or is it something that ought to govern our behavior today? We'll talk more about that tomorrow, and I hope you can tune in. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine, and we will see you back tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.